Good morning. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. Happy New Year, everyone. Hope your New Year's off to a great start. Kicking off today's show is author Matt Geiger. He's joining me to talk about his book, Astonishing Tales. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. Thank you, and Happy New Year for calling in. Happy New Year to you as well. So tell me your backstory into writing, uh, how you became a writer. Yeah, um, I, I, I think I was probably always going to be a writer of some sort. Um, it's something I was fascinated by even when I was a, a toddler, I think. But uh, <laughs> uh, I came to this type of writing kind of through philosophy, because that's what I studied in school. Um, and I, I think that, uh, I don't know, I think the world is very funny um, and very interesting and very strange, but I think it requires a little effort um, to, to open that up to it, to kind of expose those things to the light, uh, so to speak. Yes. Um, and that's why I came to this type of writing. That's why I like these types of stories. I, I want to add that um, the reason I thought this was so interesting is because you do find humor in the everyday. I mean, as a writer, we pay attention to things. We pick up on little right. things that people might not notice. And um, one of the things I noticed in the back of the book, it says... Um, there was an 83-year-old neighbor, and uh, you discovered that they were actually a legendary pinup model. Yeah, yeah, Bonnie. <laughs> um, Bonnie Logan is one of her many names. Um, it's the one I use in the book. But that's a great example. Um, it, you know, if you, if you see her at the grocery store, um, she's, you know, she's 83, but she's had, a, she's had a, uh, an exciting life, and she's had a bunch of car accidents, and so she's kind of bent over, and she has a walker that she uses to get around. Um, and most people, probably, including myself, all of the time, I'm, I'm like everyone else, might just kind of ignore her or not really see her. They just see a little old lady, quote unquote, right. and go on about their day. Um, but every single person um, has something interesting about them, I think. Um, and she's a great example because I asked her about her life, and we had breakfast together, and she brought. If you want to have a really good day, start it by going to a cafe and getting pancakes and coffee and having a quote-unquote little old lady walk in Mm -hmm. and plop down on the table, uh, uh, scrapbook after scrapbook after scrapbook of old clippings of her in pinup magazines and things like that, (laughs) and she'll tell you about her life, and then you have a good day, and then you get to write about it for your book. And and as a writer, I would think, what a gift. Oh, yeah. Um, And it is, uh, it's all linked to this. You know, writers do this. It's not just writers, though. You know, musicians do this. Everyone, everyone who's kind of trying does this. But you know that bumper sticker that says, if you're not, not outraged, you're not paying attention? Yes. Um, I kind of, I mean, I get it. Trust me, I definitely get it. Um, but I kind of think it's the opposite. I think being outraged is really easy. The outrage, at least for me, it'll come to me. I don't have to go looking for it, right? Right. Just turn on the news or something. But what you have to pay attention for is actually the other stuff. The, the little old lady who has this amazing story to tell or, or the, uh, you know, the, the boxer who has an amazing story to tell or whatever, these things that are right under your nose, but you have, to, you have to look for the funny and you have to look for the amazing. And that's kind of what draws all these weird little stories together in this book. Do you have some, uh, a couple favorites you'd want to share? Yeah, I have. It depends. <laughs> They're like children, right? I always feel like, I, like I, I don't know. I don't want to say I have a particular favorite, but I like... Um, Depending on my mood, I, there are a couple. I, I like the Neanderthal one a lot. I got a DNA test and found out that I'm, uh, I have a lot of Neanderthal DNA, and it was kind of inspiring. That's funny. <laughs> like, well, we're always getting told how bad we are at getting along, right? Um, yeah. And then you find out that 
the Homo sapiens and Neanderthals could fall in love and you know yeah. <laughs> create children, and and it's kind of inspiring. Um, and uh, but I also have a couple other favorites. I like um, there's one called Everyday Easter Eggs, which I I think I go back to the most, and it's yes. about the fact that my little daughter um, wanted to make Easter eggs on a day that wasn't Easter, and just because I'm an idiot and an adult, I said <laughs> no at first. Oh, Matt. With the, well, that well-worn <laughs> confidence of an imbecile, right? You're just on autopilot, and you go like, oh, no, yeah, we can't. The date's wrong. Yeah. And then I stopped and was like, well, of course we can. Um, mm. And that story, it's kind of a roundabout way to get there, but it's all about the fact that we can, we can let go of some of these arbitrary rules and guidelines that prevent us from having fun or laughing or right. <laughs> spending valuable time with our kids. Well, um, by the way, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Matt Geiger, who's the author of Astonishing Tales, Stories, and Essays. Don't you feel like we de- definitely have this tendency to say no to things so quickly, and yeah. we're not um, aware of uh, maybe the joy in the moment? Yeah, and it's, it's, I, I get it. I mean, we have, to, we have our jobs to do. Or like, we have to get to work in the morning, and we have to, anyone who has, I have a four-year-old daughter, so anyone who's ever had to, in the winter in Wisconsin, which is where I live, you have to, like, we inevitably be, we put on all the, uh, uh, the, the snow pants and the jacket and the hat, and then we get to the car and realize we have to take it all off to strap her into the car seat. Right. And we get where we're going and have to put it all back on again. I, so I get you have to be on autopilot a little bit. Yes. Um, but you can, you can shake yourself up a little bit and not always say no automatically. Yes. I mean, a lot of the rules we follow, the things that are there to protect us from, these menacing things, don't exist anymore. That's right. All right, so uh, what led you to be an axe-throwing champion? <laughs> <laughs> I think copious consumption of, of alcohol would be the, the <laughs> short answer, but um, I took my, my wife and I and some friends, we took our, all our little kids to a Renaissance fair, um, and as so often happens, my daughter was wearing like these pink glittery fairy wings, but you know, kids just, they just discard things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's like, there's, She's not a capitalist yet, if she ever will be. You know, she's, nothing has any value to her. It's just, it's there, and then it's gone. So I picked them up, but I didn't have anywhere to put them, so I put them on. Um, and then I drank a bunch of beer, and my friends goaded me into entering the, the axe-throwing thing. Uh, oh and I was gosh. 36 at the time, I think, and everything I'd done in my life up until then, I always thought, maybe this is the thing I'll be good at. And it never was the case, no. right? <laughs> like, maybe I'll be good at basketball. Maybe I'll be yeah. good at you know, math, <laughs> and it never played out uh, until that day, and I was really good at throwing axes. Um, and I couldn't figure out, my, in particular, why my arm was so strong, and um, then uh, when it was time to go, it was a long walk back to the car, and it was, a, you know, up a steep hill, and I picked up my daughter and kind of tossed her up onto my shoulder and realized, I know why my arm's so strong. Ah, you've been in training. a little human. Yes, you were in training all along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got the beard. To, to yeah. You look like a lumberjack kind of axe-wielding guy. <laughs> well, I'm trying. You know, it's, uh, it's, I love that I'm actually, I live in a town where there's going to be a beard competition coming up soon, and I've actually been to a, a regional, uh, I didn't take part, but I wrote about a, a beard competition. Mm-hmm. But I love, I'm lazy, and I think it's so fantastic that people consider it an accomplishment that I did something that just requires not doing anything. Interesting. Um, which is growing a beard. You know, all I have yeah. to do is not shave, and I've accomplished something, yes. which is cool. That's uh, funny. So, um, Matt, the name of my show is Get the Funk Out, and I'm always intrigued, especially with people that are writers, because it's a very tough field at times. Um, how do you stay positive in, you know, a path that can be very challenging, and you question yourself? <laughs> 
that's a good question. I ask myself that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, first of all, the thing you're doing as a writer does that for you. That's why we write, right? It helps right. us to, to frame all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and writing doesn't change anything any more than music changes anything or any other art form changes anything. But it does help you see better. Yes. Um, and that's all you want from it. And if you read something that makes you see the world better, you read something good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that way about not just humor. I write humor, so the idea is that hopefully someone laughs when they're reading the story, but maybe a month later they're still more likely to laugh because of what they read. Um, the same could be said of horror. You know, you're jumpy for a month after or something. Yes. Um, and that, to me, um, is, is worth it. Uh, you know, all the you know the rejections that you get when you submit stories places and all. Every writer knows about it. Um, right. Yeah, I find it really interesting uh, when, because I'm I'm a writer, and mm-hmm. when you allow yourself just to write and pour everything out, you, you're very you can be very surprised at what comes out, and then it helps you kind of make sense of your own life. Yeah, I mean they're a little bit like uh, so they say you know I was just talking to someone about something we read regarding dreams and how they while we're sleeping our subconscious works a lot of stuff out or tries to work a lot of stuff out for us and and I think stories do the same we're, we are a narrative species it's what we do as a species I mean you go to the zoo and you see a giraffe and you think that's a long neck species and you see a cheetah and you think that's a fast species that's how they survive and thrive mm-hmm. um, and we do it by telling stories in any number of ways and and I think. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think they are really wonderful. I mean, obviously not just mine, but all right. the stories that people share with me and the stories that I get to share in the book that came from other people, um, I think they help us find meaning and fulfillment and, and humor in yes. life. And I feel like when you do meet a stranger, like this woman who was a pinup model, 80, yeah. and she shared the stories at 84, um, I feel like you've been given this gift, and it lifts you in some way it changes you yeah and and they help they they let you in right they mm-hmm. let you into their story and then when we're in these stories together um you're you do feel sort of bound together going back to that neanderthal dna thing i mean we are uh we do have a lot in common and the narrative we're given over and over again is about how different we all are and how we can't get along and it's whether it's political or ethnic or any other any other division between people but i've read books written by people who've been dead and rotting in the ground for 300 400 a thousand years and felt connected to them um and we certainly live in very alien times you know that author and i um and i think a, a story can let you in and it can let you empathize with other people and, and laugh with them and cry with them and all that and that's what you know bonnie is a great example of in that book and then a lot of other people in the, in the book as well some right. circus performers and and philosophers and, and even a two-headed cast <laughs> so matt where can people find out more about you um geigerbooks.com is my website okay um, and the book is available now um and uh yeah yeah i'm around Fantastic. Any last bit of advice for people that are writers and they're starting their new year and they're thinking, you know, they're, you know, endowed and question themselves? Oh, my gosh. Just just keep writing. Honestly, we all every I'm I'm friends with plenty of writers who are much better and much more successful than, than I. And every single one of us, um, whether you're writing for yourself in your diary or for millions of people, um, uh, get daunted by the blank page. But we're all just uh, what's that saying? We're just uh, wisps of a soul carrying around a corpse. So you might as well just, just put it all, put it all out there on the page. Absolutely. Well, Matt, (laughs) thank you so much for calling in. This has been great. Happy New Year. 
Yeah, Happy New Year. Thanks so much for having me on. My pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Matt Geiger calling in to talk about astonishing tales, stories, and essays. If you missed any part of this, our conversation will be up on the show blog within an hour after I wrap. And right now, all the info about his book is on there as well. We're going to take a little break, and then I have another guest calling in. Kathleen Day is going to talk about Broken Bargain. Her book uh, is about bankers, bailouts, and the struggle to tame Wall Street. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.